0: Hang on what, what I'll do is I'll just turn I'll turn this is it is it a simulator you can hear
1: It's like a there's like, it's like a, a, a tapping Oh yeah no that's somebody tapping something <laughs>
2: Hello, and welcome to the Motormouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives, and everything in between. This week, we welcome one of the most famous Formula One engineers, probably of all time. You will most certainly recognize his voice and the stories he tells. From seeing a certain Felipe Massa to an almost Formula One World Championship, controversial radio messages, and way more. Rob Smedley talks us through all the highs and lows of his career today and shows us what he's up to now. Welcome to episode 38 of the Motormouth podcast.
1: Before we introduce today's hugely exciting guest, I need, as always, to head over to the British county that bought us no less than Clinton Cards, the renowned greeting card retailer which began like in Epping. The first store was introduced to the high street in 1968 by Don Lewis, who borrowed 500 quid to create Clinton Cards, named after his young son. However, enough of the Essex-based, card-based merriment. It's time to to bring in my illustrious co-host, the man who I doubt will ever experience the joys of karting due to his enormously long frame. Harry Benjamin, how are you?
2: Yeah, I'm well, thanks, Tim. Essexfacts.co.uk really coming in handy again for you. Thank you. Um, yep, sadly, I will never experience uh, uh, karting, I think. Well, I have done it before, but I'm too big and I've got too big a feet, so I just, I'm slow in just i slow slow, just in general. Can you, actually,
1: can you actually fit in a kart? I, yeah,
2: I can fit. It's just a bit tight, and I mean, I'm just... I mean, when you're six foot five and you have size 16 feet, you're probably at a bit of a disadvantage already. So I'm just not very... I'm not very... Aerodynamics. I think the is the, is the best
1: thing. Issue. Anyway, um, we, yeah, <laughs> we, we can. Uh, we'll have to uh, to chat with our guest today to see if it's physically possible. I could feel a video coming on. Mm. Um, talking of which, shall I introduce today's guest? Yeah, let's do it. So I'm oddly excited about today's guest. His voice is as familiar as the racing drivers he's worked with, with classic lines.
0: Felipe, baby, stay cool. We're bringing you the white visor. Stay cool. We're in a good position. Fernando is faster than you. Can you confirm you understood that
1: message. Rob Smedley is the former head of vehicle performance at the Williams F1 team. Before that, he was of course Felipe Massa's race engineer at Ferrari until they collectively hopped across to the British team. He can now be found providing expert technical consultancy to Formula 1 and at the helm of his very own grassroots all electric karting series hoping to make the sport more affordable for youngsters looking to take their first steps up the motorsport ladder. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome Rob Smedley to the Motormouth podcast.
2: Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? How's, uh, how's lockdown treated you, first and foremost? Are you there in your karting factory? So you're, you're still back to work and everything now?
0: Um, I am here, yeah. Um, there's, there, there's the view of all of the... Uh, part of our fleet of, of, of electro, um, electric carts behind me. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I've, I, I never really left work, to be honest. Um, lockdown, for me, has been incredibly um, busy, really, really busy. Um, you know, I'm a, as, as you mentioned there, I'm a director of, of, of Formula One. Um, and with everything that we've got going on there and, and everything that we've been trying to, um, you know, trying to shoe on a, a Formula One season into, into, uh, <laughs> into one season. Um, what one autumnal season, if you like, um, has been a challenge in itself. Um, I, I would say, um, looking forward to, to 2021 and, and and the challenges that that brings as well. Um, you know, and, and and then trying to do my day job there at the same time. And then, um, you know, I've got the engineering consultancy um, and then I've got, um, you know, Electroheads
2: Motorsport as well. Um, mm. So there's this... <laughs> I've never been busier, to be honest. Well, it's amazing how how well, especially Formula One, you know, we've almost basically crammed in nearly an entire season into, as you say, uh, not a very long amount of time. So that's pretty impressive as well. How you've been able to balance all of that. But what we like to do on this podcast is we like to we like to take things in chronological order. Um so Let's start with sort of going back to to the very beginning for you and sort of young life. And and was there signs of what was to come? Did you always know that that motorsport and engineering and particularly Formula One was where you wanted to go, or how did it all come about?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that um, my 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 dad took me to to the Grand Prix, um, to the British Grand Prix back in uh, it was the, the, the mid eighties. I was about eleven years old at the time. Um, and he, he asked me if I wanted to go to the Grand Prix. Um, I wasn't that interested in it, to be honest. Um, I'd seen him watching it on the television and I thought it looked dull as dishwater. Um, and uh, I, I, I was much more a football obsessive and still am a football obsessive. Yeah. Um and, but I, I, I went along with him um to, to the Grand Prix and it was just visceral I mean to, to hear you know think back and listen to those old v10s and, and v12s um and I was just absolutely um captivated by it really really captivated captivated by it I, I thought that the the, the cars were, were an absolute work of art and and just watching them I was, I was we stood at the old woodcut corner it was it was the um uh, the kind of end of Friday practice um, and this was the first time I'd ever seen them, them them up close and live and I just thought they were absolutely brilliant so um, we 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 stole across into the centre section of, of Silverstone it was where the old pits were remember the, the old pits yeah um, they used to run up and down the um, what, what's now just before Cop's Corner mm. so we stole across there um, and, you know, we didn't have centre-section passes. We kind of just nicked across the track. Um, and then and then we, we jumped into the um, paddock as well. It was a lot easier to get in than, than it is now we've got our fancy you, electronic you, passes you, you So we, bla- so we you, nicked into the you, paddock. You and your father
1: right. blagged your way into an F1 paddock? Yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't blag our way. We <laughs> jumped over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, because I really wanted to get up close and see these cars. And then... Um, and then we were just about, we were wandering around the pit the pit lane and we were just about to get um, turfed out. Um, the security guard come up to us and he said, you two shouldn't be in here, should you? Um, and we were like, uh, 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 and, yeah. and we stood outside the, the Leighton house garage and one of the mechanics come out and he'd obviously seen us, like we were clearly not supposed to be there. And he went, oh, they're with me. Um, oh. and he And he took us in there. Um, oh wow he he brought us into the garage he clearly just just seen us that we were blaggers, and he took (laughs) us in there and he he kind of talked to my dad and and, my dad were having a a chat and I was up close and and, and personal with a Formula 1 car for the first time and I was just absolutely blown away by it it was just something that I just knew from that point you know, from that moment in time, I, I wanted to pursue. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to somehow pursue a, a, a career.
1: Dan, um, at, at that point, Rob, did you um, did you look at it and think I want to race in that, or I want to work on that?
0: No, no, I wanted to work in it. I wanted to work in it. I wanted to. I was always a kid that was, um, you know, really loved how things fit together, um, and always tinkering with things. And I guess I had a natural talent for stuff like maths and physics. So it was, it was, it was a you know, it was a natural progression that I would I would pursue an engineering career, and then when you look at something really cool like Formula One, being a being an engineer in Formula One, um, you know that kind of become the dream, and then yeah. it was just working towards that, you know, from a from a very early age, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, from, from kind of starting secondary school, it was it was right. What do I need to do? I wrote to all of the Formula One teams um, and got some brilliant letters um, of some legends like Patrick Head and, and and people like that of the time who were kind of running teams. Um, some people who I, who I actually went on to become their boss wrote to me <laughs> many, many years later, uh, which was ironic. Um, and they all wrote back and they all gave me some great advice and then I kind of followed that advice. It was, you know, get your A-levels in maths, physics, mm. chemistry and all of them things. Um, go to university, um, go to a decent university and read engineering. Um, and, you know, get a first-class honours degree, and then we might consider answering the telephone to you.
2: <laughs> and, well, and that, that is exactly what you did, yeah. though. So you went off and studied mechanical engineering, wasn't it? Yeah. How, yeah. how was the progression then into Formula One after you graduated? Because you, you got into Formula One quite, at quite a young age. So what, what what was the in-between? What was your road up to Formula One like?
0: Well, what, what happened was when I was at, um, university, um, I really wanted to, um, get some experience, uh, in, in, in motorsport. So, so when I was when I was a kid, actually what I was doing was, um, I was helping out at, um, with, 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 um, go karts and stuff like that, helping out, I helped a, a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend who was doing some kind of amateur rallying. So I was a mechanic on that and just kind of, you know, just, just, just pick up some skills. Um, so, I, and I was always, you know, you know, building stuff and, and, and taking engines apart and putting them back together just to understand how things work. And then when I was at university, I, I got a, a placement with, with Reynard racing cars in Bista. Um, and I kind of rocked up there on the first day and I, and expecting to sweep the floor and they said, Oh, can you, can you use a computer? And I was like, well, yeah, because you know, this, this this was a this was a a, a a premium commodity as a skill back in that day. <laughs> was like, yeah, yeah, I can use computer. Like, oh, we've got this thing called CAD, and we need to like draw stuff. So I was I started to sketch stuff and and, and knock drawings out for them and stuff like that. So over the summer, I actually designed quite a lot of. Um, I mean, just detailed design, not not not. You know, engineering design, but but um, I did detail design of a lot of the cars, a lot of the former three cars and three thousand cars, and then I went back there the next summer. I was getting paid fifty pound a week, by the way, um, not and, quite the form and of my the rent salary, yeah, and, uh, and, uh, my, and my rent was fifty pound a week. Adrian had a house <laughs> in in the in the town centre of Biston Village, so, so uh, it's a town centre. Sorry, yeah. and and he said to me. Um, Right. Well, you know, you you've got the job, but um, I'll tell you the terms. So the terms are, it, it's it's fifty quid a week. You know? And I was like, all oh, right, okay, yeah. Well, you know, that that's good enough for me. I just want a job. And he said, where are you going to live? And I said, well, I haven't really thought about it. I'll have to try and find some, uh, a bedroom somewhere in there. And he said, well, it just so happens that I've got a house in the middle of town and there is a spare bedroom and it's um, it's £50 a week, so we'll call it quits. <laughs> £50 pounds a Ended week. End of a net That's zero. <laughs> yeah. Pre, and that was pre-beer. Net zero pre-beer.
2: <laughs> He's got you there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, So then I I did that and I got a lot of experience And, and that probably helped when I, when I left university that, that very quickly, um, I found jobs in, in, in motorsports and I, and I went very quickly from, um, so I went to work for a guy in, in, in born in Lincolnshire called Mike Pilbeam, who was the ex, um, BRM chief designer. Um, and he'd set up Pilbeam racing designs and I, I'm, I'm massively indebted to everything that Mike did for me. Um, because he really taught me a lot about engineering and, and design of, of, of racing cars. Um, and I did a lot of work with with Mike on lots of different projects. We did um, touring car projects, rally car projects, stuff like that, um, LMP projects. And, and I was only with him for a short space of time, a couple of years. Um, but what happened was that um, I ended up... Um, but at the end of that two years, designing whole cars, you know, doing all the suspension, all the engine installation, all of the chassis design, um, you know, some of the aerodynamic design that we could do down in Southampton Wind Tunnel, that type of stuff. So just build up a huge amount um, of, of experience in a really, really short space of time. And then um, very quickly after that, um, got a job at Stuart Grand Prix. It was a fledgling Grand Prix team. Um, so I got a job there. Um, as a, uh, we used to call them, I think I was called a junior race engineer or something like that. It was a data engineer um, and got a job there. And then, um, yeah then went from there to, to, to Jordan and Jordan and Ferrari and Ferrari
1: to, to Williams and, and here I am now. And to, yeah. 2004 was a big year for you with the, the move to Ferrari. How, how does something like that come about going to the biggest team in Formula One? And at that time, we're, we're doing um, a lot better than they are as we record today. Um, but going from somewhere like Jordan to Ferrari, how did that happen? What was it like?
0: Um, well, it was... Uh, eye-opening to be honest because I'd done uh, then what five years in in Formula One so kind of knew my way around Formula One a little bit um, but had been in in the small teams and when I went to Ferrari it was just an eye-opener that that this thing you know this was a machine that was just primed and ready for um, you know a hundred percent for for winning, it was a winning machine, and it was there, there was nothing else. There was no other objective that it had uh, other than winning. You know, and everything else was was secondary. And, and the R and D facilities there, and the levels of professionalism to what I was used to with with the with the smaller teams in Formula One, um, and the levels of organization and the expectations and the pressure and the and the political um, hotbed that, that Ferrari's always been. It was an eye-opener, and, and it just taught me so much. It, you know, it taught me so many lessons um, about how to succeed, yeah. um, and about excellence. And and yeah, it's it's it was. I was very privileged to have my time there.
1: And then mm-hmm. after three or four races, you went across to Felipe's garage and did you immediately click with him? was there any kind of weirdness to start with because obviously that relationship between engineer and driver it has to work on a number of levels not just professionally but you know socially as well did you guys just get on straight away
0: yeah I think so I mean he he was don't forget he was a, a Ferrari test driver from two thousand and um I think he was a Ferrari test driver in two thousand and two. If I if I'm not wrong, or two thousand and three. Um, so he had a very close relationship with the team anyway. Um, and then he did a few tests with us in two thousand and four. And I kind of knew him anyway. He was cheap, cheeky chappy in the in, in the paddock, that type of thing. So so I knew him um, and and got on with him. You know, just from as you know as you do with with kind of people who are in the periphery of your world. Um, and then in 2006, when he came to to, to Ferrari as a, as, a, as a race driver, he did the first five races, I think, with uh, four races with a guy called uh, Gabriele Delicoli. Um, and Gabi's a, a good friend of mine um, and, and a good engineer. But they just didn't click. They just didn't get on. There was just not that chemistry there. Um, and because we kind of knew each other, then he'd ask the senior management if I would engineer him. Um, so the senior management um, offered me offered me that that option uh <laughs> which if you if you call it an option they told me that that was you're doing that and yeah. you're doing it um on saturday this week all right okay um and i and and that's what i went away to do um so i ended up being his engineer but no i don't think there was any weirdness i think that he was he was kind of like a, a rabbit in the headlights at the time um you know he, he'd enter this work this this, this Ferrari race driver um, is a whole new level for any driver you know as any driver who goes there mm. to be one of their official drivers they find out very quickly that um, once you get past the, the niceties it's it's a lot of hard work and a lot of pressure and he was struggling with that definitely um, and having a relationship or you know not having the relationship with his engineer wasn't helping him so, so I just kind of calmed things down a little bit and we set some targets and objectives and, and put things in place and we and we and we moved on with it.
2: Well uh, Ferrari quite supportive of that because obviously obviously they want the best relationship for driver engineer possible to get maximum result but also I suppose from the outside looking in Ferrari has always been quite a it seems on the outside like a bit of a, a strict regime you uh, you you know you, you've had some quite uh, notable radio exchanges and, and some amazing sort of moments over the last uh, well, the, the time you were with uh, Felipe were they allowed, you know, did they quite like that Ferrari or was it a bit of a, a change up for them in, in how this sort of uh, personality led driver engineer team has sort of come to the forefront? <laughs>
0: I guess there was a little bit of a change there um you know i am who i am um and they kind of get that um like like with anybody in life you you, you take the good parts and the bad parts um, yeah. and overall it should it should net out to be good um for, for any kind of you know <laughs> professional relationship so um you know i i i, I haven't really I, i've never asked them i mean they were you know, they've always, they were always, they always were seemingly very happy with me. Yeah. You know, I've still got a good relationship with them now. I left there on, on really good terms. I left there because I wanted to come back to the UK. Um, you know, um, between me and Ross, we were the longest serving Englishman without ever being sacked from there. So that's, that's a, that's a <laughs> that's, fairly that's good That's
2: bonus. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a bonus. Um, you know, not many, not many of us get to leave Ferrari on our terms. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I, um, yeah, I, I, I always got on with them very well. I, I hope that they, you know, I was always ultimately very professional and, and, mm. and just, you know, there, there's a certain competitiveness. And I think that's what you hear in the radio messages. There's a, my, my, I have a, an incredibly competitive streak. You know, anything I do, I want to win. Um, I just don't want to be involved in it to be involved in it. I want mm. to win. And that includes Formula One. Um, and and therefore that comes out, you know, there's a certain amount of that comes out in the radio messages or in, in sometimes the way that, that, that you know, you, you end up um, being passionate with people mm. at a certain point in time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We, we will definitely touch on your radio messages later to uh, either make you cringe or smile. We'll we'll see which way it goes. Cringe. Cringe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> definitely cringe.
1: Now, Excellent. T- have, is there a particular highlight that stands out for you with Felipe while you were at Ferrari together?
0: Do you know, what? it's 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 the small things, it's the small wins. Um, I think um, that, that always stand out. It's it was about creating that, you know, because because I, I get a lot of um, uh, let's say um, airtime and and um, all, all the accolades and the glory for for, for that success. Um, for the success that we had there but but it was about you know like I always do is it's about building a team and, and it's the team that drives the success. It can't be any one individual it can never be that. Um, and it was about building that team you know perhaps the, the team are, you've got to remember now that the, the, the car teams now are huge they're as big as small businesses mm-hmm. you know each each individual car um, can can have between the guys at the track and the guys back at the factory. Um, can have you know 60, 80, 100 people working on each individual car. So 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 that so the manager of that car, if you like, um, has to has to you know kind of play that orchestra, and and that's what I you know. The, that, that that team wasn't working particularly well around Felipe. And it was about building that up and, and, and seeing that team grow and gel together and, and doing all of the things on track and, and off track and away from the circuit and away from even the factory that we used to do. So that, that, that made me really proud. And then it was kind of, you know, this, you know, setting obje- uh, targets and objectives and meeting those targets and objectives. And, 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 you know, the, the the the, the the result of that are the race wins. You know the results of that are the pole positions and the race wins. But but you don't get there if you if you're not putting the process behind it. As all you're ever seeing, you know, as a, as a punter on the television, is the result of a lot of hard work and a lot of process and a lot of 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 being driven by by procedures and and and, and all the rest of it and and, and teamwork and, and people collaborating together and 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 finally. You might get that that golden result. Mm. You know, to win a Grand Prix is an incredibly hard thing. And if you've mm. done that as a group of people, that is an incredible achievement. Um so so it was but there was lots of small wins, you know, along the way that that perhaps you wouldn't look at and, and think that they were they were particularly outstanding. But but to me they were, you know, getting his first podium in that very first race that we worked together. Yeah. Um and that that was just because we just changed things up very, very quickly and said this is the way that we're going to work and this is what we need you to concentrate on. And this is what I need you to concentrate on, and, and and everybody's got a role and responsibility here, and and it's always the same. Whenever you go into any business, it's kind of finding the the the, 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 the key problems immediately um, and attacking those because that's mm-hmm. going to get you the eighty twenty. You know, that's going to get you eighty percent of the of of the result with twenty
1: percent of the effort, yeah. and then the final twenty percent is really a lot of hard work, and it's putting them things in. Did you, at any point um, through your career, whether it was Ferrari or Williams, um, d- did you ever get the opportunity or um, that sort of moment where you looked around the garage and just thought, this is so amazing, you know, look, look where I am, look what I've become and look what I'm achieving, look what I'm working with, or, or were you just in the moment and now when you look back, you sort of m- may reminisce in that kind of fashion?
0: I think I think uh, I, I've I've never been a particularly um, emotional character, especially you know when you when you're talking about in in from a work point of view. Um, for me, it's always on about you know it's, it's always about next thing you know. How, how, how do we improve? Right, we've done that. That's brilliant. And and you might win, and, and and the feeling of a win. Actually, the the feeling of the win is 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 gone within for me. Um, minutes, literally minutes, um, you know, um, it, it's 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 doing it in that moment and it's orchestrating that perfection in that moment. And then afterwards it's gone. And then, I don't know, it's just the way that I function. I'm then on to write, what do I need to do next? What do we need to improve on now? Because even though we've won a race or even though we've got pole position or whatever it is, there's still it's still not perfection. Um, you know, there's still things that we can do. And, and you know, I want to do this. You know, there's still stuff that we need to do better in the short term. And what does the long-term strategy look like? You know, how, how are we going to continue to do this? What do I need to put in place to, to, to continue to have success? So it's all about being driven for really success with me you know that, that's 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 what I'm about so I, I rarely ever take a moment to look back and think oh wow you know look what we've achieved you know whatever it is I'm doing whether that was was Jordan Ferrari uh, whether that was you know you know, almost winning world championships, winning races, whether or not that's electric go-karts, you know, w- what we've achieved and, and what's been done for me now is in the past. That's just a tick box and, and, and I'm on with the next thing. I think when you look back, you know, to answer the question, really, when, when I look back and, and maybe I'm mellowing a bit with age, I doubt it though. Um, <laughs> but but I kind of look back and kind of think, yeah, that was that was good. You know, there's some good memories there. Certainly I look back and there's a lot of of, you know, there's, there's a there's a human element there. I made a lot of friends there. I, you know, we were embedded in in, in the community, me and my family, um, and that was really important that we did that. And we have made a lot of friends and uh, friends for life, and and continue to be friends. You know, both both you know from Ferrari and from the wider community in
2: Italy. Is it the same for the low moments? Are you able to, or were you able to to get over those as quickly, or, or do they? are they a little bit harder to overcome, especially when you have that, that constant winning competitive edge?
0: No, I think, I think, I think it's exactly the same. I think that you kind of, you, you have a moment of reflection, um, a couple of minutes, you realize that everybody hates you. Um, (laughs) you accept that and you get on with it. Um, you know, um, and I think that, you know, a lot of the times when you've, when you've come out of, of formula one races, um, been given an absolute pasting um, on and off the track. Um, it's you know you can't. It's it, it was it was probably the the plane journey home for me. Um. Uh, you know that that you needed that. and needed to probably go and have a night's sleep, and then you get up the next day and you're, and you're on with it. You know, even mm. the, the 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 rest of Italy or the rest of Group, when Oxfordshire hates you, hate you. Um, don't matter. Just get on with it. They're, they'll love you once you put things
1: right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and then let's fast forward a little bit through Ferrari, off to Williams. How did that move come about?
0: <laughs> um, that move come about. Principally, um, I've got it. You know, I I worked for Frank in my younger days in in the touring car team, um, and had a huge amount of of respect for for him. Um, And he just just one sec, please. So let me just pause the podcast. Yeah, no worries. Boys, guys, Clive, Clive, (laughs) Clive. Come on, Clive.
1: Totally the office,
2: I'm just doing. <laughs> I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep that bit in. Uh, <laughs> come on, Clive. Clive!
1: Clive! How deaf is Clive? Clive's really deaf. <laughs> it's the same for me. I've got I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old running around out here, so there's gonna be background noise, so don't worry well, about it. Well, hang on,
2: wait. How old is Clive though? <laughs> Clive's not exactly two. Clive's <laughs> about fifty-two. You don't uh, get there two, we you, go, yeah. You
1: don't get two year old <laughs> Clive. Clive keeps looking at me
0: going.
2: Hi, I'm not just shouting you, Clive. <laughs>
0: Hi, Clive. Clive.
2: Oh, brilliant. Um, let, well, let's pick that up then if Clive has, has got his act together. Um, so yeah, Frank the Williams on. move. So uh, the, we're working with Frank Williams in, in the touring car team. So there was a sort of foundation there already.
0: Yeah, and 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 Frank got in touch with me and said, would I, you know, would I go and talk? This was at the back end of 2012. Um, first off. Um, or at the front end of 2013 and he said would I would I go and talk to Claire um, Claire was having more involvement with the business now and, and would I talk and, and really it was out of respect for, for Frank that, that I did that so I went and met them um, in Heathrow Airport um, I had a chat with with Claire by the time we actually met the, the 2013 season was up and running um, they were having an appalling season and um, and I kind of said, you know, looks good. Um, thanks, but no thanks. And then things kind of transpired and we had more conversation and I understood that, you know, I, looking at their operation at the time, I think they were, you know, spending a, they, they had a decent budget, they had a decent amount of people, and then I think they had five points in total. Um, and I said, okay, there's something seriously wrong with with your, your business. Um, and then... Um, Pat got involved, Pat Simmons got involved and for me that was a huge catalyst because he was like, come on, come and do this um, um, I got a lot of respect for Pat and therefore I said, right, alright if you're doing it, um, I'll do it so so um, I kind of jumped ship and arrived there in 2014 had made some changes already um, I was kind of in charge of all the operations side of it so I started to. We started to make some key changes, um, and I think that we had a good season, definitely in in twenty fourteen. Mm. Third in the World Championship, um, we beat Ferrari. I think that year, but there was there was a you know it was it was it was quite fortuitous in in the way that that engine was 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 rather good. Um, the Mercedes engine. I think the better year for me. What I'm probably more proud of is the is the third place in twenty fifteen because we definitely didn't have. I think in twenty in twenty fourteen we had. Um, almost certainly the, the third, if not the second, quickest car. So, so it was inevitable, almost, that we were going to finish third. Um, but I think that we got the the operational side really, um, you know, on on song. And by the end of the year, we had probably what was the fourth, fifth quickest car mm. um, by the end of that 2015 season. But but the but the but the guys and girls at the at the track, you know, both at the track and and supporting from 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 South Oxfordshire, um, we'd really, you know changed, changed up that, that group, um, got it working much better, um, got it much more focused. Um, you know, had a really good strategy in place. Um, just brought about some really sound engineering practices. And, um, with the fourth, fifth quickest car, we were still third in the world championship. And, and that was just because we were just out there every weekend, um, almost like a sledgehammer, just getting, you know, 10 points, 10 points, 10 points, 10 points. You know, if, if the car was, was capable of fifth and sixth um, we would get fifth and sixth, you know, and we had two half decent peddlers in the car at the time with with Felipe and, and Valtteri, who were who were getting the you know they were doing the patsy on a on a, on a Sunday afternoon and getting us the points. Yeah, so man. that that was a really proud um, moment for me. And then it and then it got a little bit more difficult, but it was still you know good times. Uh, 2016, 2017, still able to you know get those those fifth positions in, in the championship. Uh, and, and when you look at where Williams are now, um, you know they'd almost killed. Two, to, to be to be fifth in the championship. Yeah, yeah
2: it's, so, a um, it's a real shame. Well, that begs the question: What do you think's gone wrong? And, that, and maybe you don't know, but on the face of it, they've just seem to have fallen off quite the cliff.
0: Yeah, um, you know, there's 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 a lot of things that you know. It's it's never in in Formula One or in any. Complex business in any business. In fact, Formula One is hugely complex, so it's it's even more the case. There's never one single thing. You know, you can never put it down to one single thing. Um, There's 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 lots of stuff. Um, You know, the 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 R and D facilities is not anywhere near what it needs to be to run as a as you know as as a constructor. Um, If if you're going to run as a as a single constructor without the help of of other teams, um, you need a lot more R and D infrastructure, um, to help you to, to be able to design and develop your car. Um, trying to do it without all of the, the, the requisite tools, mm-hmm. um, whether or not they're simulation tools or whether or not that's R and D infrastructure, um, you're on a hide into nothing. And the, and the top teams don't do that. You know, the top teams have, have a huge amount of R and D that they rely on to, to develop their cars. Um, you know and and then there's there's just there's there's probably you know a myriad of another 100 things that that just don't quite fit together mm-hmm. and, and it is where it is but i think what what it shows you is that is that in formula 1 is is a brutal business um it's it's absolutely the you know the, the the toughest business in the world bar not um you know you've got to you've got nine of the most fierce competitors um that you can possibly imagine who all want to go out there and they want to wring your neck every single, um, you know, every other Sunday afternoon and mm-hmm. you've got to be able to contend with that. You've got to have the people um, and the infrastructure to be able to contend with that and, and if you fall behind, you fall behind very, very quickly. Well,
2: exactly. Now, as we uh, alluded to earlier, you obviously left uh, the team side of uh, uh, motors of Formula One and joined Formula One itself with your technical expertise, um, working <coughs> on side the likes of uh, Ross Braun. What, what's your sort of role there, and what, what have you been doing? And what, what sort of what, what is your job with Formula One?
0: Uh, good. Good question. I uh,
2: sometimes have to ask that.
0: Um, (laughs) What was in the job um, description? Yeah. (laughs) No, the the the, the job description is very very clearly is that that I, you know, when I sat down with Ross um, towards the end of 2018, when you know when it was clear that I was going to leave Williams some midway through 2018, and he said, look, one of the problems that we've got. Um, in Formula One, the, the 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 business, if you like, is the fact that we're not able to offer fans that insight that people like you, um, me, um, are able to understand. You know all of that stuff that what what you know when I watch a Formula One race for, from a pit wall. Um, there's so much information and data that that, that that's, that's coming at you. Um, the, the, the thing is, is, is over and done in seconds. You know, the race seems to pass by in a flash because you kind of sat there with this information being fed to you, trying to make decisions on that information, um, this pressure cooker environment. And he said, wouldn't it be brilliant if we could start to recreate some of that for the fan? Um And, you know, Formula One's a funny thing to watch on television because you can only watch a tiny part of of what's actually going on. You know, there's that you've got a five kilometer track and you can concentrate on a hundred meter section of it um, and two cars at a time or whatever. Um, There's another. You know, 18 cars on the track and, and another um, five odd kilometers of track that, that you're just not seeing. So how do you bring all of that to life for the fan? So it's kind of we're working through a a, a plan and a strategy of, of of how we want to do that, you know, and some of the stuff that we're starting to do now. Um, is is coming from me and my team, where you know we're telling them, we're telling people about what tyre degradation is and what that looks like, and and when one car is going to catch another, what happens? You know, is, is one car going to undercut another in the pits? So it's about bringing all of that stuff that that, that I'm used to watching um on a formula one pit wall but bringing that to the screen so that it it makes it it, it's much more engaging and much more insightful for the fan yeah Mm. that's
1: that's an excellent thing to do i think that'll have a lot of benefit for a lot of people Mm. now now listen before we get on to what you're up to now we have come to a very very important part of the podcast and i know you've been waiting for i'm going to hand over to
2: my illustrious colleague to introduce you to the motormouth quiz Yes, thank you, Tim. Uh, Rob Smedley, welcome to Motor Mouths, the hardest quiz in motorsport. We've had pretty much every guest take part in this. 13 points are up for grabs. We play you, and very handily for you, team radio clips, Uh, and you've got to um, basically give me some answers and, and provide a bit of context after you've heard them. There are four bits of team radio, uh, and you'll get you'll get wider and then we'll have a quick chat about it and then a bonus question at the end. so your goal is to get thirteen that will take you to the top of the leaderboard, replacing Connor Daly uh who currently sits top we've got sort of people like crofty David Coulthard sort of lurking in the midfield table so its it, it's quite a tight battle. Do you reckon you can handle it
0: what 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 does midfield mean for for crofty in
2: dc so we're talking uh <sighs> We're talking between sort of 14th and 20th, 10 points. Right. It's tight. I need it's to be tight. them too. It's, it's yeah. them two I need to beat. Yeah. yeah, okay. It's, Crofty it's and Coulthard, too. those are the aims. All right. He's a competitive well, man, so this could be interesting. He is competitive. Let's get clip number one. Have a listen to this, and then I'll ask you some questions. Here it comes. This is unacceptable. This is Unbelievable. 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 Unacceptable. Whoa. Now... You might recognise that voice, of course, but can you I tell me it. who it is uh, and what he what he's talking about, and uh, perhaps why he's uh, being quite quite loud? It's it's Felipe Massa, correct? Correct. correct. Oh, he's, he's struggling. struggling! Unbelievable! He's, he's unbelievable! Struggling. FIA. Yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> he's on the ropes already. If you could, can, you, do you have any idea? Maybe the year or the track.
0: Well, it's at Ferrari. Yes. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? It's good. Start uh, you're in the,
2: yeah, you're in the right direction. We've <laughs> got Ferrari and Massa. <laughs> <laughs> the track. Uh... Oh come on! You, you, give me a clue. Okay, don't okay. let. The... Okay, so uh, it was his final race for at Ferrari. So it was his final race at Ferrari, which was Abu Dhabi. Nope, sorry. I take that back. Oh, Harry. Race. Sorry, my bad. I keep forgetting they switched that round. Um, it was his penultimate race, which was at Brazil. Aha! Now we're making progress. Correct. <laughs> and something's happened to him to make him go on the radio to you and spout about how unbelievable the FIA are. So what, what could have possibly happened to make him so angry? That is home race. Gonna have to hurry, you. I might even
1: have to play my countdown. <laughs> Such a backlog for Team Radio
2: to go through. It
0: wasn't speeding in
2: the pit lane. No, um, but you—you kind of—you're not far off. It was—it was because a, a
0: car came out of the pit lane and and
2: (laughs) clutching so many straws Mm, maybe I don't know so I'm going to give you one and a half points for that not not the full three give give you two two. I don't know that was tough practically gave you Brazil Um, basically (laughs) it was something to do with crossing crossing the white line at the pit entry with all four wheels That's what you kept going on about on the radio. Something to do with that. I'm not actually sure what the issue is with that. As long as it's not a pit exit, but maybe pit entry. That was an issue. They didn't like that. That was the excuse you gave over the radio, anyway. (laughs) Um,
0: um, um, And what happened? Did he get a penalty or
2: something? Did he get a drive? Yeah, and he got a drive-through penalty for it. All right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, but that's why I said a car swerved at him, but I meant he had four wheels. Oh, that's what you meant.
1: <laughs> oh, that's what you meant. Oh, okay. All right, well, then. There's, that there's, gets oh, you know what? Know there's your two points. Yeah. There's your two points. Good lad.
2: Good lad. <laughs> there we go. Right, let's see if we can... on then. the back <laughs> four. We
0: can't start off this bad.
2: <laughs> no, we, okay. Right. Two out of three. That's not too bad. Let's move on to clip number two. Have a listen to this. Here we go.
0: Brogan front wing, mate. Brogan front wing. See how it is, but It looks like a to me. Nice one. Thank you very much.
1: Watch. Potty mouth.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Terrible.
2: Any any ideas?
0: I know that it was Michael because Michael, <laughs> Michael came up and said bad language on the radio. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, you spot on though. It was about Michael Schumacher, <laughs> and we had a bit of a chortle about it. Um, <laughs> But um, so, where was you know, it, though? What, Do you remember where it was and what year? If you can give me track and year, you get the full house.
0: Well, the year has to be... Michael was in Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the year has to be 2011, 12, 10. Yes, So absolutely. the year has to be 2010, yeah. <laughs> I was processing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. There there was no help, of, for help for so. the viewers at home. No yeah. help. it was 2010, um, and the, the 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 track where it kind of where, where it feels like in my mind was Canada. Yes,
2: absolutely yeah. <laughs> spot on. That is three out of three. All right, we're back on track now. We're back on track. Okay, clip number three. Here Have it a comes. listen. Here we go. <laughs> Oh, my God. I'm too old for that. Too old. Who who is it? What's happening? And where? Felipe Massa. Absolutely. He
0: has just secured a third place finish at Monza. In front of Valtteri Bottas, who was milliseconds behind. And... I always used to say to him, um, "You're too old for this stuff." <laughs> and then he came back and went, "Oh my god, I'm too old for this." Too old for
1: this. <laughs> uh, what position? Yeah. Did, what position did he say he came?
2: I think. I think he's right. I think. Yeah, it was third because Battery wasn't on the podium, was he? It's another round of applause. I think you. That is three out of three. Okay. We're looking good for an overtake on Coulthard and Crofty. Yeah. One final bit of team radio and then a bonus question. Okay, so here is your final bit of team radio. Here we go. <laughs> good boy. Keep
0: doing that. Keep it behind for as long as possible.
2: I love that one. Okay, same questions apply. Good boy. <laughs> I'll give you a clue. The track at this this has happened, and the year. Uh, no, the track that this has happened at has already been an answer. Mm. <laughs> Such concentration. Maybe Clive can help.
1: Where's Clive
0: when you need him? Uh, yeah, where is Clive when you? You know, I asked that question many,
1: many times per day. I think Clive needs his own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, God, no,
2: please. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, dear. If I give I you... It, oh, good, no, I go think,
0: on. I, I, I think it's Canada... Absolutely, um, it is. Yes, yes.
2: We're there. It's we're me. there. Excellent guest. It's me. <laughs> it is you. What are you? Uh, you're talking to. Let's just assume you're talking to Massa. That's pretty much, uh, pretty much in there. Yeah. What? What's? What do you think has just happened? Uh, or what, what? What's Massa doing on track? Do you think?
0: I think that he is. Um, we are trying to keep someone behind. Um, yeah. For as long as possible. <sighs>
2: For, for the final point if you can either tell me what other driver you're trying to keep behind or the year you'll get the full house that has happened
1: okay. I'm going to we could give him a nationality of the driver could do would that give it away <laughs> yeah go on would that give it away completely uh, there were a, no there were a few so that years.
2: so he, he, the, the nationality is uh, he, he's a British driver Yeah.
0: yeah I was going to say Lewis Hamilton Oh, are you sure you want Lewis to do Hamilton. that? I mean, Lewis I was going to
2: say, I was going to say Jensen, but yeah, Again, I thought you were. I <laughs> thought you were. And that was, uh, and any idea on the year or. I if it was Jensen, it would have been,
0: uh, it's probably when Jenson was in McLaren. So. Uh, 2010. Oh, so close. Oh, it was 11. But
2: uh, I'm feeling generous, so I'll give you the full house anyway. Full house? Yes.
1: Full house? I know. Hang on a minute. (laughs) He
2: barely got any of them right. (laughs) Hey, he got Canada. (laughs) True. And himself. And himself. Yeah. Um, Okay, so for a final point bonus question for you how many points? Did Felipe Massa finish that heartbreaking 2008 season with? And you can get within 10 points. And within, if you're within, yeah.
1: And how many points he was behind?
2: And if you get this, if you get this one point, you beat both Coulthard and Crofty. There's a lot on this.
0: How how many, how many points can I be within?
2: 10. Uh, You can, 10. 10. 10.
0: So I, I'm. Uh, th- th- this, is, this is a bit of a guess. Um, it's 120.
1: You can have one more stab no. at it,
2: and it's less. <laughs> you boys, this is the best quiz ever. <laughs> we just want you to beat <laughs> yeah. Crofty. You get multiple chances. Um, we'll give. You, well, I'll less. only give you half a point, though. But you still that still means you beat Crofty. It's all I want. It's all I want in this. This quiz, just beat Crofty. Within 10, it's not as high as 120. I'm going to go for 100. Well done. That gives you half a point. He scored 97 points, so you weren't that far off. So in total, let's just do the final the final math. He's done it. He's only gone and done it. You have <laughs> scored, Rob Smedley, on the hardest quiz in motorsport. Uh, also, maybe the easiest for the amount of chances we give um, <laughs> is... 11 and a half out of 13, yes. which puts you... All the way, you're actually joint, but because you're the most recent guest, you go above Esteban Gutierrez mm. in 11th spot in our leaderboard, oh, yes. so just outside yes. the top 10. Yes. You've absolutely yes. smashed uh David Coulthard and Crofty. So, thank you, Rob Smedley, for Goodbye. playing Motor Well done, cool. That... I am. Um, when, when did uh, when did Crofty and DC do it? Um, so they did it uh, what a couple of months ago, actually, It was during so... lockdown,
1: during lockdown, still, yeah. wasn't it?
2: Um, in fact, right. Coul- Coulthard,
1: I think was right at the beginning of lockdown, mm. and Crofty was a few right. weeks later. So uh, the first
0: thing I do when I when I come off this podcast is I am sending them both messages. Yeah, do it. <laughs>
1: yeah, do it. And you can also while you're there, you can have a go at Crofty for being the weirdest person that we've ever had
2: because he's got a phobia of tea bags. <laughs> yeah, really odd. Oh, yeah. Has yeah. He really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring that up next time you see him. Really odd yeah he's a very he, who's
0: got a, who's got a phobia of teabag what's it to be scared think, of teabags I think it's about? something
2: to do with having a fear which is, is a thing holes. apparently as Tim will say a fear of tiny holes is which, p- apparently a thing which I get I'm totally on board with that yeah, um, but anyway, which he has.
1: <laughs> it's that's a very that's a random. whole that's a whole other story. Uh, now, listen, back to you. You're not a man to stand still. Um, you've now gone and founded your own karting series, an all-electric karting series, uh, Electroheads. Tell us why and how it, how's it all going? There it is, behind um, you in all its glory. It's well, it's going very well.
0: Um, like everything, I, I you know, I want it to move at a million miles an hour. Um, so, you know, I kind of had the, the notion when I was coming out Williams at the end of 2018, probably a long before that, to be honest, there's, you know, I wanted to do something which was, um, I don't want to use the word altruistic because it probably over exit a little bit, but definitely something that give, gives back to, to the community, to the motorsports community, um, I'm really um, passionate about um, kids' education. I'm really passionate about getting kids involved in, in in motor racing, stuff like that. And so then when I sat down and thought about how I could do this, um, karting seemed to be, um, you know, the, the the ideal, or it seemed to present ideal opportunities. Um, and, you know, one of the problems with karting is that it's incredibly expensive. Um, the budgets are are crazy high Um, so it means that normal families um, they can't really get involved in it um, or they can get involved in it you know they they can't get involved in it with with, and hope for any levels of success and and I think that's a real shame um, because I think that you know um, it's, it's such a brilliant sport it teaches kids about discipline and teamwork and and disappointment and, you know, if we can roll in some STEM education there as well. Um, I think that's, that, that's brilliant. It teaches them about, you know, the, the whole feeling with pressure and, and, you know, um, just, just so many good things that, that, that this as a sport does and, and having that then closed off to, to a few privileged, um, kids. I don't think it's fair. So I wanted to do something that kind of lowers the barriers to entry. Um, we can get more families involved, you know, more, more, you know never, we, we want to democratize it. We'll never democratize it as far as, a, as much as a pair of football boots, let's say. Um, but if you take that analogy, you know, there's, there's four and a half million kids that, that play football around the UK um, on, on, on any given weekend in, in the summer. And if you take the you know the equivalent um, age categories that go karting, um, you're probably talking about two, three thousand. So, so, so the, the the numbers are are absolutely tiny, and and that's because the barriers to entry are just really, really high. So, so you know, I, I am um, I wanted to be able to use my my influence, my network, my means, whatever it is, to build this business. Um, you know, and and to get it out there to offer, you know, racing carts. These are racing carts that you can see behind me. Yeah. Um, it's a full arrive and drive series, if you like. Um, so we take care of of, of all aspects of the racing. You just have to turn up and do it. You mm. know, we found that that was a barrier to entry. That, that the mums mm. and dads they don't really understand. Um, you know, racing or go-karts, and as much as they'd like to get their kids involved in it, um, it's that, that becomes a barrier to entry because they're just it's just a myriad of choices yeah. open to them. Yeah. We whittle that down. It's a, it's a championship. It's got, you know, it's absolute parity um, across the karts because they've got electric drive trains in them. So you get none of this, you know, you get a bit of a, a nonsense spending war that goes on with engines, with the petrol engines in karting. We wanted to take all of that away from it. And 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 bring the cost down and if we take, you know, our costs, um, as I said, we're never gonna be able to democratise down to a pair of football boots. But if you take the cost of doing a season um in in these electric racing carts compared to at the very top end of of, of British Championship karting, then we're probably talking about a ninety percent cost reduction, which oh, is brilliant. Amazing. And it that's means amazing. that yeah. it's it's a fairer playing field. I want it to be a meritocracy I want to grow this I don't just want it to to, to live just in the uk I want to get it out to emerging countries um, and do something that actually you know actually um, turns the needle a little bit on, yeah. on what grassroots motorsport looks like right now yeah. um and you know there's a lot there's a lot of people that talk about they want to make a difference and all the rest of it and and I I'm one of them people that just think you know what I, I do have a lot of friends I do have a great network I do have a lot of people that can help with this I, I have influence um, you know I've been able to, to I've put the means to do it let's just get on with it and let's do on it, on and it and let's try and make it. Yeah. a difference
1: I, I think it's fantastic I mean my my, my eldest son is um, is five and a half and he watches karting um, religiously on YouTube um, and desperately desperately wants to go but I've worked in motorsport for about 15 years I've worked in sponsorship and driver management I know how much it costs Costs to go karting traditionally and you can easily spend six figures in a, in a series in a season of karting and yeah you know I don't want to do I don't want to do that so to have the option to do something to take a different path is going to be massively appealing to parents like me who have got young kids who are showing an interest so um, I'm sure we'll be knocking on your door soon enough and on, on that subject what what is the age group that you're looking at what what when can people start this kind of thing
0: well we we do um i mean we offer all sorts of different services to be honest just to get you know people involved so we we've got um we, we've got a five round championship coming up um towards the end of, of this year so it starts in october at, at mansell raceway so, so so nigel and the guys down there have been brilliant they're going to host two of the rounds then we've got another two rounds at Wilton mill which is in the middle of the country uh, another round over in on on in the east um, which is at full Beck. It's kind of, a um, you know, it's, it's, it's us getting going. There's the Bambino category, which is from five to, um, eight years old. And then a cadet category, which is from eight to 11, 12 years old, something like that. Um, and then, you know, the plan is that, that we want to introduce a junior category as well. So, so to take the, the the kids from like 12 until 16, 18, something mm, like that. Yeah. um, so we're offering taster sessions. You can come up, if you've never tried it before, come and have a taster session. It's 125 quid. We'll do a load of driver coaching and tell you, teach you everything that you need to know. And so there's a series of taster sessions. We do one-to-one stuff. We do group stuff. It's, you know, I, I want to bring a lot of, I want to bring not a lot, Almost everything that I've learned in Formula One, um, and bring that to in, into this world at grassroots, and make it a much more data-driven and 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 fun experience where we can accelerate people's learning
2: without spending a ridiculous amount. Of money. Yeah, it sounds incredible, but also being. Uh, an electric championship do you does that does this gear kids up to sort of look at if they're if they're you know serious about this does it gear kids to more towards the path of you know formula e and what the electric championships that are sort of springing up from that or is it just a case of you know it's electric because you know that's sort of that's cheaper at the moment and we can provide that and also it's better for the environment yeah the the the
0: latter really I mean when when I when I looked at it you know when I looked at doing something like this my my original um, idea was that, well, I look at, at doing it with a, with an internal combustion engine. Mm. But when you look at the problems with internal combustion engine is even if I go and buy 20, 40, 60, 100 internal combustion engine, engines, first of all, the the the, the cost of, of of running them is, is, is higher. But second of all, um, with the best will in the world, you're going to get some disparity between those engines. And when we're talking about, you know, when we've got a championship which comes down to one or two tenths on track, um, we've got to be able to offer Um, absolute parity you know whatever car um, these young drivers get in it's got to offer exactly the same power and have exactly the same handling Um, and when I looked at you know trying to go down the, the, the petrol route You know, those, those are the problems that emerged. You then look at it and say, right, okay, well, how do I, you know, how can I circumnavigate those problems and and electric become a really viable option. Um, Mm. it delivers the, it delivers more torque, lower down, Mm. so that they're more fun to drive. You know, you see five, six year olds doing spin turns out on the Mm. track, which is just really, really funny to watch. Um, you know, you've got they're ultimately really reliable. We can we can you know with with some clever um, control systems engineering, we're able to have every um, power unit with exactly the same torque output. So there's there's no difference in torque, and, and that's measured um, and fed back through a control systems loop. Um, So electric kind of becomes the vehicle for, um, you know, this, this whole thing that I always talk about, I talk about democratization, democratizing grassroots motorsport electric becomes the platform to be able to do that. It's not that, you know, I go down the, we wanted to go down the route of electric because it's, it's it's something worthy. It's fantastic because it's cleaner and, and greener, um, but it's, it's just it's just that it meets the objectives. The key point here is is electric meets mm-hmm. the objectives of what we're trying to do. Um, and I think that having kids drive electric carts or if they can afford it, petrol carts or whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. I don't think they, they then, you know, just because you, you were to drive a petrol car, it wouldn't mean to say that one day you couldn't end up in Formula yeah. E. And it's equally the same as, as kids who, you know, we, we want these, this, this to be a really good stepladder for the kids to get from, you know, through their karting career and out into cars. And that might be Formula 4 or it might be something in five, six years time of of an electric QD series. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. I think we just want to give them, you know, proper racing karts where they can learn their skills and hone their craft um, and, you know, progress through the ranks but do it at a sensible cost level and not something yeah. which is, you know, almost out of control as it is now. Yeah. And
1: it, yeah. It'd, be, it'd be interesting to see what happens, you know, that next rung of the ladder, you know, whether there'll be a more cost effective route than perhaps traditional, you know, F2, F3 and so on. Um, one for another, another show. Um, but listen, in the interest of time, we've got one or two more uh, quick fire questions, which we'll, we'll send your way. Um, so uh, outside of racing, what else are you good at? Have you got any hidden talents? Any any uh, particular hobbies that uh, that you're very very good at? Nothing. None. Absolutely <laughs> not.
0: I, I reckon I probably. Um, um, I, I mean, the amount of lying that I do to my children about how good I am at things um, is, is no one's business. Totally and business. They're, they're at an age now. I mean, the oldest one's twelve, so he's an age where it's like they're wise to be. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm like, yeah, I used to be in the army. Yeah, I used to be a professional footballer. Yeah, I used to be a racing driver. I've done nothing really. I've just done this. What we've just talked about—that's been my
2: life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we'll flip that on its head. Then, what are you really crap at? Uh
0: uh, God, yeah. how long have you got? I thought this was quick fire. Um, no, on, honestly, um, the um, I, I think that you know I dedicate so much time to to what is you know a career and, and now trying to to, to, to do something and, and put back as as I've talked about and you know still have a really strong involvement in Formula One. Um, the only time it, it really leaves me, which is my biggest you know, my biggest passion in life is the only time it leaves me is, is, is family. Um, Mm. you know, and that is my passion. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's working as a, as our little family unit, um, and, and bringing the kids up and we kind of just hang around together. You know, um, we are, uh, you know, the the, the kids love this business obviously because it's go karts and they get to drive go karts every now and again. Um, but you know, we've got our, our life away from that. is very quiet, very normal life. Um, you know, try to bring the kids up with with, with the most simple and um, non-rasmataz life as, as 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 we can. You know, that's really important to me and my wife Lucy, um, who is you know my um, my absolute um, compass on all things in life. I think without her, um, I'd be a um, certainly wouldn't be where I am now. Um, so yeah, there's, you know, there's, there's really the two things that I do is, is, is work and family. And, and there isn't really a great time to find out whether I'm good or bad at anything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now we, we have three final questions, which we asked everybody and we get very different answers. Um, first one I'll kick off with what's got you excited at the moment.
0: Well, if, if, if I talk work, um, then it's definitely, you know, the, this, 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 this e-car project that, that we're on now, um, so that's got me excitement. If I'm still on work, uh, Max Verstappen's getting me excitement. Yes. Excited Ooh, at the minute. Good um, I, I think Max is, is really turning this is it's an one driver. I mean, wow. What what you know? As as Martin always, as Martin Brundle always says, "Thank God for, for Max Verstappen." Yeah. Um, so so there's, but I think I, I don't know. There's 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 quite a few things. What what else has got me excited? Um, uh, you see, you see what a boring person I am. I'm so bur- buried I'm... in this
2: stuff, Formula One and all the rest of it. Well, that, that's, that's enough. That, that is exciting, so. Max was put Max was in an electric car, and then you'll be really excited. <laughs> um, yes, come on, Max. Yeah. Second question: um, If not doing what you've done and what you're doing now, what would you be doing?
0: Uh, time
1: at the majesty's service uh. <laughs> I was like what uh, there's an honest answer what, what crime have you committed would you? Would it have been would, but, but, but would this have fashion. been you know just a bit of battery or you know just some some petty theft uh, yeah. no it would be petty theft it yeah. would
0: definitely be petty theft because I'd have that money uh, battery I don't think I'd be very good at um, oh, I'd be a bit God. rubbish at that uh, <laughs> <laughs> it'd probably be like the opposite of battery, like getting battered,
2: yeah yeah um, <laughs> oh. um, yeah I think should I think we should leave that one know. there, I think we
1: should leave that one there if it, if, yeah. you, if he wasn't doing what he's doing he'd, he'd be in jail, that says it all really. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know. It's something to do with with engineering and business. I think think whatever I do in engineering, you know, it it just becomes a widget to me and I get so engrossed in it and passionate about it. It could be for a Mm. go-kart or a Formula 1 car or something completely different. Yeah. Um, So it'd be something to do with engineering.
2: Harry, over to
1: you for the last question
2: of the day. Okay. Um, Final question. What are you scared of? Um
0: failure
2: Mm. powerful powerful
0: powerful indeed 100% failure Mm.
2: yeah
1: Mm. I'm
0: driven by (laughs) by not failing
1: yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. We had some, we've had some weird ones. That's where the crofty thing came from for yeah. fear of tea bags. And and actually, uh, the, the, not the weirdest. That's not fair. The most interesting one we had was probably the guy that said nothing at all, which was um, Freddie Hunt, James Hunt's James Hunt's son, who couldn't answer. He got it, sort of got him, and he was yeah. like, no, I can't talk about it." So um,
2: interesting. Really? Yeah, yeah. He got he got quite he got quite philosophical on us, uh, which some drivers tend to do, or they go or they go the complete other direction. So it's always a Always throws up a a good good answer, but failure, of course, when you work in motorsport. The
1: the other person who's terrified—who was the other one that's terrified of the tiny holes? Was it Natalie Pinkham?
2: I've never heard of this phobia until we've done this podcast. And the amount of people within motorsport who have this phobia is is mad. Um, but listen, Rob Smedley, we've taken up far too much of your time anyway. Thank you so much for giving it to us and, and explaining all about your career. And we very much uh, look forward to watching where Heads goes and, and all the work you're doing um, in Formula One as well. So, Rob Smedley, thank you very much for coming onto the Motormouth Podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and on Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile, interact with others, and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast.